The earth was full of many colors. They were fresh, hot, and vivid. They made you feel excited until you saw the singer himself, and then you forgot everything else. It was a lion, huge, shaggy, and bright. It stood facing the rising sun, its mouth wide open in song, and it was about 300 yards away. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by the one and only C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. I'm Chase. And we just want to thank you so much for joining us today. You don't have to take time to do this, but we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Uh, I know just you have a lot of options for flying. You have so many options, and you chose to spend your time with us, and so we appreciate that. Just a reminder that we are talking about The Magician's Nephew today, the first book in the series of the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, but general spoiler warning for the Narnia series as a whole. Uh, and, you know, if we do want to make references to other things, which we will do, we'll let you know about it, try to give you a fair warning ahead of time. Uh, we will, uh, if we go on tangents, we'll give you fair spoiler warnings. But today, we are discussing The Magician's Nephew, Chapter 8, The Fight at the Lamppost, The Rumble in the Jungle, the brawl in the mall, uh, you know, the whatever. great Bambino, the Sword great, <laughs> the Colossus of Clout, the Colossus of Clout. Uh, yeah. So the fight at the lamppost. Chase, tell us about this chapter. All right. This chapter opens with the crowd's response to the witch's declaration that she is the Empress Jadis. Uh, they mockingly cheer for her. And for a moment, she thinks that they've accepted her before their cheers turn into laughter and her expression changes from pride to anger. The witch breaks off a piece of the lamppost, solid iron, and strikes a policeman on the helmet, knocking him out. Polly suddenly appears back by Diggory's side, saying, this has to stop. Um, they plan to work together as another policeman crumples to the ground and the crowd begins to complain even more loudly. The cabbie is still trying to get the horse to calm down. The crowd is still yelling. Jadis is loudly speaking of their destruction. Diggory's grabbing at the queen's heel. Uncle Andrew is telling her to calm down. The scene is just utter madness. Finally, Diggory grabs a hold of her ankle, yells to Polly, and suddenly the frightened voices of the crowd vanish. That is, except for Uncle Andrew's. They realize that they have brought the horse, the cabbie, and Uncle Andrew along into the wood between the worlds. And as they get there, the witch crumples into the sickness that she feels in the woods. The horse calms down immediately, and, and the cabbie is patting its neck. And calmly, as, as they're adjusting to this new place, the horse goes over to drink from a pond. Diggory and Polly quickly run over, putting on their green return rings, and they all find themselves in darkness. They went into the wrong pool. The queen says it's an empty world, nothingness. And she's right. There are no stars, no light to see each other by. The ground is solid, but they couldn't even see if it was ground. And they all react dif differently to this nothingness. So Jadis grimly says that it's her end. Uncle Andrew looks for a flask for a drink. The cabbie thinks they've fallen into some underground subway tunnel. And he just starts to sing a hymn to pass the time. At the end of the song, of course, as you do when you're stuck underground, you don't freak out. You sing a hymn. Good Thanksgiving hymn. Uh, at the end of the song, Diggory feels Uncle Andrew pulling at his arm to call him away from the group. Red flag. Uh, and he tells Diggory to slip on his ring so they can escape. 
but the queen, who has famously good hearing, uh, hears him and scolds him as a fool. And then Diggory scolds him for thinking that he would ever leave Polly and the cabbie and even the horse in a place like this. In this noise, the, the cabbie hushes them quiet. They hear a singing. It's a voice like they hadn't heard before, singing beautifully. And that voice is suddenly joined by other voices singing in perfect harmony, and the sky is suddenly full of stars. It's as if the stars were the new voices, and the first voice, the deeper one, had caused them to appear in the first place. The main voice is getting louder, and all the while the dark sky begins to turn gray along the horizon, and a light, fresh wind begins to blow. Soon it's light enough to see one another's faces, and the cabbie and the children are just delighted and amazed. Uncle Andrew has his mouth open, but he doesn't seem like he likes the voice. And then the witch is just standing there with pursed lips, and she could tell that this world is filled with a magic even stronger than hers, and she's not happy about that. The sky changes from white to pink to gold. The voice gets all the louder as the sun rises, and they can now see that they're in this valley with a large river and surrounded by colorful mountains. And then they see the singer, and it's a lion, huge and shaggy and bright, and it stood facing the rising sun with its mouth open in song. The witch says, this is a terrible world, and tells them, Prepare the magic. We gotta flee at once. Uncle Andrew agrees with her, saying that she wishes, or he wishes, he had a gun. Uh, the cabbie is shocked by so, the idea that someone would talk about shooting this lion that's singing. And Uncle Andrew and Jadis continue to ask for the rings. The kids threaten to leave them there. Meanwhile, the cabbie tells them all to be quiet. He wants to listen to the music because now the song is changing. Excellent. Our theme of this chapter is awakening the new beginnings the you know arising a into uh into light uh yeah. and man chase welcome to narnia we're finally here we it made only it took us eight chapters but we are finally in narnia look at us go and it is uh it. killing it it's a good time uh man it, as we dive into our observations i like at first, reading this, like we mentioned this last episode with the, uh, you know, the the Cockney accents being written in here. Uh, yes. But like, I, they, like this, this scene, if you're one of the, like, the people passing by, like, this is a, it's an old, it's a bold move to mock this woman, right? <laughs> like, I feel like they're treating her as if she was like, the crazy homeless person who's like, I'm the king. And it's like, they're like, okay, sure you are. Yeah. But it's like, this woman is like just charioted down, like standing on top of a cab driver. Yeah. Like having a violent outburst yeah. and why are just like time. crowding up, making fun of her. Yeah. And like, they pay the price for it. Not saying that like their actions, you know, deserve the consequences of like being beat to death by an iron bar. But oh, for like, sure. But, but, like, you've got so. a good point. I think about a few years ago when – I don't know if you were – you might have graduated by this point, but my senior year – yeah, you definitely graduated. My senior year of college, there was a incident on the campus of our school, UT Austin, where a guy went through stabbing people. And our reaction was definitely not to crowd around him and make fun of him. Like, you can't yeah. – that is not the right – uh, action to take in that situation for sure but also I, like Jadis does not like being made fun of she doesn't I mean I don't either but 
to be fair, my reaction isn't to bludgeon someone to death. So that's it's, fair. To, it's to go cry. Uh, but you're not but, an empress. <laughs> uh, or as he calls it, a hempress with a <laughs> with a huh, a H yeah. in there. But uh, I do like though that you know once things have uh, you know once she has now bludgeoned a couple policemen uh, in the head, their their response seems more appropriate. But still, it they're like jumping to the other extreme because it's like, hey, pull her down, get a few paving stones to presumably throw at her. Uh, yeah, they just call want to fight out the military. Like, this is, I mean, granted, she's seven feet tall and she's got an iron bar. Like, this is, you know, this is a serious situation. But this is, like, late 1800s, early 1900s. They've at least got to have, like, like some sort of weaponry. Like, you're telling me they don't have guns somewhat available? Yeah. Like, Although, it is Britain, and they don't carry guns, they're police That's anyways. true, that's true. I Maybe that is a very American mindset. Do, uh, do you think that these police officers that she's hidden on the head have the big poofy hats? Maybe it doesn't I, hurt as much as we're thinking. Maybe, maybe it just crunched his hat down a lot. Uh, I That's, I think, our only hope for this guy's life. You gotta uh, hope, because there's definitely some concussions happening here. There's definitely at some least. injuries. This dude, Getting this hit in the head with an iron bar is not something you come back from. This dude's in concussion protocol for sure, at least out of a few weeks. Uh, and we gotta make sure that, you know, there's no long-sustaining damage here. Uh, but, you know, pray for him. Yeah. Uh, and but I it just is, think uh, it's... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go for it. I just think it's crazy that Jadis doesn't understand sarcasm. Like, yeah. Like, well, maybe she killed everyone who used sarcasm. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, maybe the funny people were put to death a thousand years ago along with the scientists. <laughs> along with the, the fake magicians. <laughs> it's, Listen, uh, fake magicians, people who are funnier than me, <laughs> that guy who looked at me the wrong way across the street, dead. Kill them yeah. all. I'm tired of them. And, like, on this same note, you know, when she's, you know, being angry about being mocked, she's like, your whole your whole world's going to pay. Uh, I'll make it like Charn, which, as we've seen, destroyed. Everyone's yes. dead. It's a dying world. And she goes on to mention uh, Felinda, Sorless, and Bramandin, uh, presumably three other worlds that she has destroyed. <laughs> like, I, man, I guess she just didn't go to middle school. Because, like, can you imagine if any of us or anyone we knew, when we got made fun of or had our feelings hurt just a little bit, which, to be fair, happens often. It happens, sure. If our reaction was to just start murdering people. Not just murdering issue. people, committing genocide. Yeah, destroying the world. Like, it's not excusable in charge. But it was a one-time thing at this point. What a take. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's a thing where it's like, you know, Darth Vader gets a redemption story and he blew up Alderaan. Uh, arguable. Arguable. I mean, I mean and sure, the movie acts like that, but should we really Does he get a Force ghost way? at the end? Yeah. Yes. The answer yeah. is yes. Hey, I mean, tell, me about, tell me about Kylo Ren. You know what happened? Well, maybe the maybe the sequels aren't for everyone, but also killed several planets. And you know who gets a redemption arc? Kylo Ren. Yeah, but, personal redemption arc or 
large scale existential redemption arc. Sure. Should probably still have gone to intergalactic prison. Agreed. Uh, I'm not uh, not excusing their actions by any means, uh, but she's now like been very cool with not just openly talking about killing one planet, but now four, and that's a bummer. Um, that's a real bad look. So, gotta learn how to take a joke. You gotta learn how to take a joke. Uh, I mean, that's the first thing I tell my middle schoolers when they're upset and kids who don't know is like, "Hey, man, like you gotta learn how to roll with the punches. Can't commit genocide." Those are, they go right alongside each other. I was joking. <laughs> I only killed that planet as a joke. You don't get my Gen Z humor, Kel. We like dark humor. Uh, it's true. I mean, they do, but. They really that's, do. That's a different thing altogether. Uh, another different thing altogether is Uncle Andrew. And what a whiny baby this guy is. Oh my word. Like, yeah. Throughout this whole chapter, dude is just such a whiner. And, like, really in general. But, oh my gosh. like What always sticks out to me is the things that he's whining about. It's like, you're causing a commotion. My clothes are dirty. Like, yeah. you're making his, me look bad. Not, you're hitting people with an iron bar. His not, scope of things you're is You're abusing animals. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, later he's going to, like, go on to, like, kind of tell off the queen which like you know good on you for like growing some boldness but, but again, also it's like, for embarrassing him yeah, not for violence it, and like it's it's all of the things you just said it's like okay sure you you stood up to her but it's all for the inconveniences on you where it's like man you robbed from this jewelry store and now i can't go back there uh you assaulted this policeman and now how am I going to come back and, you know, interact with these guys? Yeah. Where it's like, you know, it really drives that, home. That policeman that, might be dead. Yeah. <laughs> it, her, her fatal flaw is pride. And his, his fatal flaw is just that kind of more he's self-referential. <laughs> he, he's the, like, I'm just self-centered thinking about my own comfort. She's the, I deserve all the power in the universe. And, and they just run fully in their lanes. A few planets. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Chase, I have a question for you as we're going on through this chapter. Like, I need to understand this scene because they're all chilling together, right? Queens murdered a few policemen. Sure. Uncle Andrew's complained. Uh, and so I, I can get, I can, I can deal with Polly just apparating and being next to Diggory. Yeah. We'll deal with it. It's a kid's story, whatever. I mean, you don't. It's like a dream. Sometimes you just you don't need to see someone walk somewhere. You just need to appear where you're where you're at. Sure. She does say like, you know, now this needs to end, but it's like or it's like now like you didn't have Yeah, not know, before. She had to before. go home for lunch first. Sure. Whatever. I can get past these things. I need to understand this scene because they're about to transport back to the wood between the worlds. And their plan which is a decent plan. It's it's valiant. It's heroic. It's, hey, I'm going to grab onto the queen and we'll transport. One, I don't understand how you need Polly for this. Like, you can just do it. Like, granted, you probably want some company, but whatever. So you and Polly are going to take the queen uh, away from here. This is where we got into this a few episodes ago. We're talking about the logistics of space travel. Yeah. Uh, or of, like, you know, you, like realm travel. Uh, because... It's not just those three that get taken, but also Uncle Andrew, 
somehow. And also the cabbie, somehow. Yeah. And also his horse, Strawberry, somehow. Sure, sure. And also the iron bar. Uh, yeah. But how not, does this work? But not, not the buggy that's attached to the horse. Correct. Or the crowd of people that is crowding around the horse and the witch and Uncle Andrew and the cabbie. Correct. And not the ground below them or anything. Like, Correct. this is the issue of, like, where does it stop and why does it stop there? It and doesn't why, make any sense other than, right. like, for plot's sake. But Right. Well, like, know. I... Uh, like all these people are going to play their roles later on in the book. And so we'll, you know, we got to just address this now because I don't want to address it later, but like uncle Andrew, the, as of right now, unnamed the cabbie uh, and strawberry, how, like, were they touching people? I guess like it doesn't say unless I'm just not reading this correctly. Yeah. I mean, assuming that it would have happened the way that it does. I, I think the witch is riding or standing on the horse. I remember her being like in a surfboard kind of position at some point. Sure. Okay. Um, so we'll get I strawberry in here. I I don't know. Maybe the where Uncle Andrew is in relation to this, like buried in the rubble. I don't know. Grabbing up at the queen, like trying to scold her for embarrassing him. Like it's a great uh, I think I think the cabbie was trying to calm down the horse, like petting the horse. Um, and Makes then. Sense. I guess Diggory and Polly's plan was like a like I will try to grab her while you're grabbing me and putting on your ring. I don't I I'm not sure. He does say go, so they I guess theoretically yeah. they don't need to be touching each other. They just they could be two separate points of travel. Maybe, but I kind of took it as like Polly was the one handling the ring and he was the like rope. Mm, he was the one grabbing the heel as long as she was grabbing him. I yeah, because he, he struggled to get the heel. She did kick him in the face. Yeah, so which doesn't come up tough. again. Doesn't matter. Didn't actually no, hurt. Don't worry about it. And, like, she's only a seven feet tall, super-powered, like, witch. You know, Yeah, I'm if sure Superman her, sure kicked you kick, in the face, you wouldn't even notice. You're dead. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how you wouldn't notice because you'd be dead, Chase. Yeah. You'd be killed immediately. This is the part of Superman and Batman stories that they don't really address. Is, but then again... Oh, we don't kill... I get, shouldn't Except the cops be dead? I mean, I assume they are, again, unless they're wearing a really tall hat to guard from concussion. There needs to be some rap songs about Queen Jadis. I'm, she's, the, she's, she's the, real, the real one here. Uh, but, like, a, as Polly says, got a pretty kettle of fish because of all of the random people uh, that are... Uh, you know, being transported into the wood between the worlds. We may never know how they got there, but they're at least there. And was there there? Like, so we we addressed this. This was a question you brought up. Like, if the, you know, if the water from the pools were drained, would everyone in that world die? I mean, we have to assume that Strawberry almost destroyed Narnia, and (laughs) they narrowly saved Narnia from destruction. the real hero, Strawberry. I mean, or the real destroyer of worlds, Strawberry. <laughs> hey, who's the real villain here, Jadis or Strawberry? <laughs> we'll, we'll let y'all decide. But it almost seems to confirm this. So I I think we kind of have to take this as, as like fact at this point. Yeah, and 
I don't know. I I had trouble following how they all ended up in Narnia as well because like they run over to slip yeah. on their rings with Strawberry going toward the water. And then I guess they all just kind of tumble in. But we don't know how Uncle Andrew or the Queen got involved in that either. Or the that, cabbie. That part, yeah, the, or the cabbie. Because the horse was just walking over to drink some water calmly. Doing things that a horse does. Yeah, yeah. Horses do like to eat and drink. It will it'll get some grass, I believe, in the beginning of the thing. next chapter. Yeah, uh, thank God. It's just chilling. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's all and, confusing. And, and Jadis is presumably, you know, in her weekend sickly state. So, yeah. Which also that was a piece that I don't. I don't know if I'm just reading into stuff at this point, but she. It. I think it said that when she realized she was in the wood, she crumpled down. Not when she arrived in the wood, she crumpled. It's a I mental think, state. I think it's part partially mental state. I think she's just aware that she doesn't have her magic or her strength here. And so she's doing the woe is me game. Mm. But like we saw the first time, she moves pretty quickly because she can get Diggory by the ear within seconds. I mean, her stride is pretty long, so. That's fair. But yeah, that all was a whole mess. Fast movements, I think, or uh, our old pal Clive Staples uh, was just trying to He's just trying to get us in Get one over on us. Yeah, he's he's moving us along. This is yeah. a plot device, not a not something he wants us to spend. He's like, listen, on. you arrogant uh millennials, like stop trying to read too much into this. I'm a kid's children's story, like or like a children's story writer. Like, calm down. Uh yeah. and to his point, we do get to Narnia. We, we do are finally there. It's we've great. been transported into nothing. With yeah, a capital N. It's super dark, you know. Um, I I love the kind of moments that we have in Narnia in this chapter because there's kind of like three movements of like this happens. Here's how everyone reacts to it. This happens. Here's how everyone reacts to it. This happens. Here's how everyone reacts to it. Of like the darkness, the song starting, and them seeing the lion. And that's cool because it really gives us a chance to see the whole picture of their personalities come through. And so like they get into the darkness and the lights are turned out and they realize that they're not on earth. They're not in Charn. And Jadis is immediately like, my doom has come upon me. She was the destroyer. And now she's accepting her end has come because she's in a world that doesn't exist. And she has nothing that she can do about it. Uncle Andrew immediately asks the cabbie, hey, you got a flask, my dude? And just like, I don't know. And then later tries to sneak away and get Diggory to leave the others behind. So he's just living his best life. Very self-focused, yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, the cabbie's just like, oh, well, we went downward into something and we're falling for a minute. We probably just fell into the underground or a subway tunnel. Hey, mind mind the gap, man. Mind the gap. I guess so. He's just super chill. Starts singing a Harvest Thanksgiving hymn, which Dude, I didn't okay. know he had Thanksgiving hymns. But, I think uh, the cabbie the cabbie has taken my spot in my heart as the best person in this story. One hundred percent. I mean, Aslan's about to come in, and so it's like hard to argue against that. But like Aslan's also Jesus, so it's kind of unfair to pick him <laughs> as your favorite character. But the cabbie is such a source of like constancy and positivity. He's like, "Hey, dudes, it's all good. Even if we did die, like." 
worst ways to die, you know? Yeah. Uh, and just I don't happy think to we're, be alive. Yeah, I'm just happy to be alive. I'm, I think we're alive. We're just chilling. So let's start singing, uh, you know, hashtag protect the cabbie. Uh, yeah. He's not even given a name yet. Uh, but like, I, we need to make sure that he is preserved at all costs. And, you know, as long as he's alive, I think the rest of these people are going to be fine. Yeah. And, and it's funny because like earlier in the book, the kids were kind of our stand in for the good guy. And now oh, yeah. the kids are just following the cabbie's lead. Like when he starts singing, they start singing with him later on when he's looking at something or doing something. And so are the kids. But yeah, it's like, he's this good, pure of heart. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, like Jadis is like in the darkness of her nihilism and aims of power mourning her end. Andrew is just wanting that self-centered comfort. Like yeah. they're, they're all living in the fullness of, of their personalities. Yeah. And then uncle Andrew is like, while he's singing, everyone's trying to enjoy this song. He's trying to, you know, get Diggory to sneak them out. But like my dude, you're there's, you're one of six people or beings in this place like you're you're th- you're telling me that the queen who's right next to you isn't gonna hear you trying to sneak away like come yeah, on bro there, there's not a lot of white noise to uh to help him get out it's it's a like i imagine him as the guy who thinks he can whisper in the middle of class where it's like hey dude what's the answer and the teacher's like bro I, like i can hear you i'm literally watching you try to cheat yeah he's like so you heard that <laughs> it's like yeah bro uh and it's just like it's just ridiculous but then he you know calls uh all of his little insults towards diggory for like diggory not wanting to abandon people it's like you naughty and impertinent little boy i think in the next chapter he's gonna call him something else too or it's just like for not like abandoning people to death and like yeah. saving your own skin like naughty okay naughty uh and like just like they start hearing this music just yeah. let the cabbie listen to his song stop arguing uh this he's is try- my favorite to to music my favorite thing is the cabbie just continually being like will you guys shut up i'm trying to listen he is he's at a broadway show right by, like right in front of a family that showed up with like a few like toddlers and you're like why did you bring your toddlers to this yeah, this is every time I went to the movies with my dad growing up is him like talking or like loudly chewing something or just like on his phone. I'm like, you need to stop. We're trying to enjoy this movie right now. <laughs> it's 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 typical. Just let the cabbie enjoy his time, man. But yeah. Just he's he's doing all that he can to yeah. just enjoy this beautiful song. And For sure. how about this song, Chase? Yeah, the darkness is broken by singing. This is one of the coolest parts of this book in particular is the oh, idea that yeah. Narnia was created by a song. And of course, we don't know that's exactly what's happening yet, so sorry. Like, we've said it several times. We're in Narnia. We're in it's Narnia. It's not named yet. Uh, we'll get there, yeah. But yeah, they just hear this beautiful sound, and suddenly the sky erupts with stars as the song erupts with harmonies like it's kind of like the stars are singing and the sun begins to rise and the song begins to rise and the light gives us the ability to see and again we get a shot of our characters and how they're reacting and the cabbie and the kids are just open mouth shining eyes amazed wonder uncle andrew 
doesn't like the voice. His knees are shaken. His shoulders are drooped. Like his mouth is open in shock, not awe. And then Jadis says she looks like she understands the music better than any of them. And mm-hmm. she's not happy because she knows that the magic here is stronger than her magic. And so again, we get this glimpse into the characters from the pure hearted to the fearful fraud to the evil of pride. And it's this really oh, yeah. kind of masterful way of like playing out a scene and revealing things about the characters by playing it across their faces rather than just like telling us about their personalities. Yeah. So some and, beautiful writing from Lewis. It's super beautiful. And like, you know, I'll get back to the beauty in just a sec, but like, as you mentioned, the reactions of the, of the characters, again, Jadis's first reaction to most things that don't, that she doesn't like destroy this world yeah. and all worlds for that matter. Like she's gotta be a terrible person to have at like any kind of dinner party. Like, can you imagine Thanksgiving with Jadis with wow. like, like your family who have opposing ideologies on something. And as soon as something is said that she doesn't like, boom, destroy the world. Like yeah. that's her reaction. It's not like, Hey, leave dinner. It's yeah. Nope. This world's done. 100%. I was definitely earlier this morning, like going back through all this, thinking about like, this is kind of like a road trip with your family where like Jadis is the mom, uncle Andrew is the dad. And they're just, they're just bickering and like angry. And then like, you're the kids. But then luckily you have your friend, the cabbie along, who's just like there to look out the window, enjoying the scenery, having a good time, like makes it a little bit lighter. You're like, oh, I'm really glad we brought this guy along. Yeah. Um, yeah. The cabbie, man. Hashtag protect the cabbie. He's the best. Protect the cabbie. Protect the cabbie. He's the the man. His Uh, kids like way, way, way down the line get a little bit messed up. But he's a don't good worry dude. about that. Yeah, don't, don't worry about, about them, them yet. yet. We don't yeah. know about them until Prince Caspian. That's and several books from now. That's several books from now. We're yeah, we'll be fine. I'm sure. I'm sure everything will turn out okay. That's uh, what I've been telling myself all week. <laughs> but we begin to see as the song continues, the horse gets stronger and more majestic. Uh, everything is becoming beautiful. You mentioned the stars coming out, and then eventually. They, they see this sun come out. And we've talked a lot about the sun so far, the dying red sun in Char and the you know, moderate yellow sun. And now we see a beautiful new sun. It talks like it was, uh, it, it, you could imagine that it laughed for joy as it came up and it starts lighting this geography. You see the mountains and the valleys yeah. and you see the singer. And the singer chase, it's a surprise to everyone. It's a lion. What? This is wild. A lion? Has, I don't know. Are there lions in this book? There's at least one. Uh, but he's not just a normal lion. He's the most majestic lion you've ever seen. I don't know if he's going to be that big of a deal later on. Probably not. Probably not. Best to ignore it. Uh, but he is the singer. Chase. Lion sing? I have a theory. You know. I think this lion might be Aslan. What? I don't wait, know if this wait, is wait. too crazy to say. Are, are you telling me right now that you think this lion is that lion? I mean, I know it's a stretch because there's a lot of lions, but hear me out. They're in a world with nothing there and only one lion. And we know later that there's a lion that's a pretty big deal. <sighs> I don't know, Cal. That's uh, that's. Stretch. We'll find out. I guess we'll find out later. Yeah, if I'm it's, it's hard to say. 
It's hard to this say. This lion we'll doesn't just, have a name. This is just a singing lion. This is just a singing. <laughs> this is a singing lion. This is the Lion King. And speaking of the Lion King, uh, I like to picture this moment uh, where the sun is coming up over the horizon, and you see this Narnia, and I am a lion. Oh my gosh! That's the English translation of uh, of that whole scene, <laughs> I believe. Uh, what if that was the song that you know the lion quotes uh, would was singing? He was just singing the circle of life. That I think that's, that's canon. Honestly, that's the song that the cat is like. I think every song that. Aslan sings in this book is a song from, from the, Lion the Lion King. Yeah. We just got to figure out which is which because he sings three songs. We'll get to that next chapter, but it's uh, this. I don't know. I, I, I can get happy. behind that one. It makes yeah. me happy to think of the cabbie just sitting there listening to this beautiful music and it's the circle of life <laughs> playing in the background. He's like, I'd have been a better man my whole life if I'd have known something like this. And he's just, you know, in awe of like, <laughs> and then Zazu uh, flies through and he's like, oh my goodness. And it's great. Uh, he's having yeah. a wonderful time. And he's Australian now, which is great. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> he's, uh, he's a world traveler. Uh, the, I like, I got to try really hard for Cockney and it just sounds really offensive. I like, mean, I'm not even going to try. I know I would do far, far worse. Hello, governor. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> that's what he'll call uh that's what he'll call uncle andrew later uh oh my gosh and it, again all i can think of is dick van dyke in mary poppins where it's like you probably shouldn't be doing this accent yeah this but is, you're doing this it is a little anyway. too far but whatever so yeah lion king uh equals circle of life equals yeah the line the witch in the wardrobe equals that's, maybe maybe aslan that's canon now aslan is mufasa Aslan well, is Simba. He's Simba, because he's the son of the emperor. Okay, and so the emperor beyond the sea is Mufasa in the sun, in the stars, in I, everything. Yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah, cool. I think that's fair. Um, and but yeah, so they hear this beautiful uh, soundtrack written by Elton John, uh, and they Beyonce's it. on it now. That's true. Yeah. Now that Beyonce's in- involved, you know it's good. You know. And it's only fitting that, you know, the king, you know, has Queen Bee. But uh, so everyone's loving it, except in typical fashion, Uncle Andrew and Jadis. They hate it. They want to leave. They think this is a terrible place. It's a terrible place. Uh, And, you know, Uncle Andrew's like, I quite agree. Completely uncivilized. If I only were a younger man. Fool. Like, what are you talking about? You know, if only I had my gun. Yeah. What are you going to do? Like, as we'll see. That would probably do nothing in this situation, but we'll get to that in a later chapter. But they're all complaining, and then they let it slip that it's rings how they transport. And Jadis is like, "Rings, you say?" Uh, appears behind the corner, real evil, like villain, like. Uh, and then they like you know Diggory makes a threat that they'll just abandon all of them, including the cabbie and the horse who they were just you know willing to save. Uh, the but cabbie's not paying attention anyway. The cabbie's like, the, the chapter ends with the cabbie being like, oh, your noise, everyone. I want to listen to the music. M-O-O-S-I-C. Music. That started to get to some, like, Pirates of the Caribbean stuff. Parlay. 
parler. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're supposed to kind of have that Cockney accent. They've I got mean, a better one than Dick Van Dyke. But. It It's all ridiculous. As Where are they from? Don't ask. Uh, hey, you don't they're from the, the Caribbean. Caribbean? <laughs> the yeah. Caribbean, depending on I, how you want to pronounce it. I have my doubts about that, depending on, you know, looking at them. But, this, you know, whatever. East Indies or West Indies? East Indies, West Indies, European. They're British. They're Dutch. You know. Either way, there's some mild genocide going on nearby. Man, this brings podcast, us back to this, this podcast <laughs> deals with genocide way more than I expected. Uh, but again, the cabbie just wants to listen to some music, and we realize that the song has now changed, and that's where our chapter ends. Yep, and. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, I, even just to go back for this last interaction of everyone of, like, Jadis and Andrew being, like, the pestering, like, bad guys, the kids, curious, they want to stay and see what happens, but, and then the cabbie just focused on the song and the singer, uh, I just, yeah, with all of that to wrap up, where I've been going with that is, like, each movement of their time in Narnia has already revealed more deeply their hearts and their character. And at the end of the day, like this is what Narnia does. Like it reveals people's true nature. And as we'll see throughout the series, it gives them an opportunity to start new and grow and change. And just as this world is now starting new and growing and changing in our story. So I just wanted to pull that, that thread together of like, I think it's significant that their first interactions with Narnia are so fully unmasking who they all truly are. I love it. That's good. Chase, do you have anything else before we dive further up and further in? I do not. I'm excited to hear your your nerd thoughts on on this chapter. All right. Well, with that, I guess I I will go ahead and start us. We both are dealing with the a similar, um, you know idea and its creation uh but the direction i'm taking with it is significantly more nerdy as chase would say um yeah. it, i did write it into our notes for those he made who sure, he made sure that i knew he made sure that i knew that uh, he thought this was nerdy now what's really cool about this and this is going to apply to the like half of a person who has probably read the Silmarillion and also uh, listens to our podcast. But for the off chance that you have read the Silmarillion, which is J.R.R. Tolkien's history of Middle Earth. Now, uh, the the real words for Middle Earth, Arda, that's the 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 Elven word for Middle Earth, and Ea, which is the universe. Ea uh, is the universe that they live in. What's really neat uh, is in this creation story that we see in Narnia, where you see Aslan, the the king, uh, or at least supposedly this is Aslan, who knows, TBD, uh, you see this lion singing to create, that things are coming into form with song. And later we're going to see that there are voices that are adding into this creation process that are developing this song that is creating. And then he'll, you'll see life being brought in through song. And those people are going to start joining in, in this creation uh, in, I don't, I, I, I assume because CS Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien 
because they're you know best friends, they are great. They shared a lot of writings together. Who stole what from who is uh, you know not for me to say. Maybe they just loved each other's sentiments so much that they decided to go with it. Um, but this creation through song is really interesting because the creation of Aya, the creation of Arda, the creation of Middle Earth uh, is known as, I'm going to butcher this hardcore, but I believe it's called the Ainu, Ainu Lindale. So say that, you know, four times fast. Um, that is the creation of Middle Earth, and it is done by Iru Iluvatar, who is the god figure in J.R.R. Tolkien's works. Um, it starts with him singing, and then he sings his like, like, like major angels kind of thing into being, and then they join with him in song and start creating all of these things. And each of them is singing an aspect of creation. Some of them are controlling the winds, and some of them are the waters. Some of them are the earth. Some of them are like you know whatever it might be. They are all joining in and creating this master song that Ira Luvatar has put inside their hearts, uh, and that's where. Um, the creation of Middle Earth comes into place. And so I just think it's really interesting that the creation of Narnia is done in a similar vein where it's Aslan singing and everyone else joining in and you see the creation and the formation of stars and valleys and light and life. It's just really neat. So, nerd rant done. Uh, Chase, uh, tell me about your further up and further in. Wow, that was so nerdy. I loved it. I did not know any of that, so... Great. Hey, the but more you know. <laughs> more you know. Um, but yeah, uh, I also talked about uh, the creation story in my further up and further in, um, but a little bit less. Uh, I, I have not read Tolkien's Cimmerillion and all that stuff. I'll so I, I went for, uh, for what they're both alluding to, uh, which is I mean, this is a biblical illusion here. Um, and, and Lewis is doing something really cool with that biblical illusion. He takes the premise of the Bible's creation story that God created through speech, through the creator speaking things into existence, so let there be light and so on. Uh, and he paints this beautiful scene where Narnia, as, as Kel just said, is created through singing instead. And, and I just think this is why people love C.S. Lewis. Like he's so good at creating these masterful, beautiful moments of wonder and imagination, taking an idea of thought, whether it's biblical thought or philosophical thought, uh, and instead of just trying to explain it as an idea, uh, he shows how amazing it could be through just bringing it into his story. Like there's, there's a principle of show, don't tell that's at place play here. Um, but we get to see Narnia take shape as the notes of a song taking physical form. And when we see that, we're not caught up in the nitty gritty of like, well, how do the stars have voices? And what's the science of how the notes of the song interact with physical space? Like no one is possibly thinking about that whenever they're reading this. We're simply caught up in the magic and wonder of it all. And we just have to assume that if this is how fantastic the beginning is, how much more amazing will the finished product be? Like mm. the cabbie is is ultimately right in this story. Like the proper thing to do when you see this is not to argue and make a bunch of noise about it. The proper thing to do is to be still, to watch, and to listen to the song and admire the singer. Mm. Um, and That's good. Yeah, it's uh, 
it really is a beautiful idea. Like, I'm not surprised that both Tolkien and Lewis wanted to run with that idea because it really is like, it's very poetic. Um, but yeah, I, I like to, it. I like to think that they flipped a coin and then whoever won the person who lost was like, well, I'm going to do it too. And you can't stop me. Uh, so that's how it get, That's how it went. A very Jadis move there. A very Jadis move. No, a Jadis move. Uh, C.S. Lewis lost the coin flip and then destroyed everything. <laughs> he killed his friend and then blew up the world. Uh, I mean, seems right. Seems right. That's the only fair option. If I can't win, I'm going to destroy the world. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this, but uh, Sauron in Tolkien's <laughs> books is actually based on C.S. Lewis. <laughs> he tried to put his best friend into the story. He's like, hey, you may recognize yourself in this book. And he's like, hold on. Did you write me as Sauron? Is this because I have one eye? Ridiculous. That's Is this because up. I've been on fire for all these years? <laughs> That's messed up, dude. That's messed up. J-R-R. Uh, <laughs> it's not even a name. It's not even a name. Those are just letters. Aren't all names just letters, though? Yes, Junior R. Tolkien. Um, <laughs> so wrong, but you know, whatever. That's okay. This isn't a J.R. Uh, Tolkien podcast. This nope. It's but, just an uh, indirect one. Yeah, to keep it from becoming one, why don't we go ahead and wrap this up, though? Uh, yes, absolutely. Aslan, or whoever this line is, has sung, the lights are coming on, and it's time for us to sit still, watch, and listen. Chase. I'm sitting still, I'm watching and I'm listening. How about you tell our our listeners where they can uh, rate and review us and find all of our other podcasts? Yes, uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you want to look for it. Dig it up, we'll, we'll probably be there. Um, go ahead and if you want to, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find us. If you want to join uh, our community of people on Instagram, at Chronicles of Podcasts, we love to interact with you guys there. And uh, feel free to share this podcast with other people who love C.S. Lewis. We're finally in Narnia, so people got to get We're involved. There. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you next week. About Thursday, my service was like, hey, we're out. And I was like, wait, what do you mean we're out? And it said, well, we're done. We're just not <laughs> going to give you phone service anymore. And so I couldn't make any calls or text messages other than iMessages on Wi-Fi for like, four or five days and i was like well i was putting off getting a new phone as long as possible but you have forced my hand apple or at&t either or who knows maybe I mean, it's a conspiracy everything's a conspiracy at this point could be wouldn't surprise me <laughs>